0: Success on the stage can be a rocky path filled with challenges, especially for younger actors. Today's guests have leapt ahead of the pack, quickly establishing their careers. Hello, I'm Howard Sherman, executive director of the American Theater Wing, and joining us today are some of the theater's brightest new performers. Jennifer Damiano, Robin DeJesus, John Gallagher Jr., John Michael Hill, and Krista Rodriguez. Welcome. I'm going to start with a simple question. Do you remember the first professional theater production you saw? And I'll start with John.
1: Yes, I do. The first uh, professional theater production I ever saw was when I was 12 years old. My mother brought uh, me and my sister up to New York City. I grew up in Delaware. And uh, we went to TKTS and didn't know really what to see. We weren't really familiar with any of the shows playing that season. And I think uh, we... uh, ended up going to see a revival of once Upon a mattress with Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was the first uh, professional thing I ever saw, and I was really floored by it and much like any child I think seeing Broadway for the first time, i just couldn 't believe the scope of it. It seemed so mammoth to me and so huge and even though I was right there, it was like it, it was close to me, but it was so far away and every time the set revolved I thought how you know how are they doing that and how many different sets are there gonna be my god there's only two acts and uh, um, it was just incredible I Mm. I definitely still remember it
2: yeah um, my first show I was five and my mom took me to see Annie the touring company of Annie in um, California and we were um, in the second row in the center and I don't remember much about the show, except for I remember the footlights. I remember seeing them, and the girl and the dog, like singing there, you may, maybe, and that it was actually the most defining, like pivotal moment of the rest of my life it was like, <laughs> lights, upward <laughs> lights on someone, <laughs> you know, and somebody <laughs> relatively my age, and um, really just. I don't, it was, it's all blurry all around it except for that, that image. And then a year later, I, I saw my first Broadway show, Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> so that was exciting.
3: I wish I like, had that pivotal moment. I, <laughs> I, I went to see Guys and Dolls at Candlewood Playhouse in Connecticut when it was running, and I went with my government-funded summer camp and <laughs> so, in other words, it was the kids from the hood, <laughs> and it was the loudest, racketiest <laughs> thing. I really don't remember anything. The only reason I know that it was Guys and Dolls was because years later I went back and saw the playbill in my bag, and mm-hmm. realized, Oh, I saw Guys and Dolls. <laughs> I thought I never saw that show before, except for the <laughs> movie. Hmm. Well, I did at Candlewood Playhouse.
4: <laughs> I, thought, I was like waiting for you to be like, was, and, then and then this I is found what dollars <laughs> No. <laughs> I think the first thing that I saw was, "Kiss Me, Kate," um, but I don't remember anything else other than that it was that show. All I remember mostly was how big everybody's smiles were, and then afterwards, how like I was so obsessed with seeing these people's like faces up close, hmm. and I was like, I can't believe they were just there. Now they're right there. Was that like, a "Kiss so Me, Kate" to me. here in New York? It the was revival, on Broadway. Yeah. yeah, I don't know About how old I was. Yeah. Yeah, and it was with my mom and her friend.
5: Hmm. Huh?
4: It's not epic at all. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, mine neither. I was in Waukegan, Illinois. Well, I was isolated in Waukegan. I mean, I didn't see anything until I was in high school. So I was doing this the thing called Cherub's Program in Northwestern. It's a summer program where people really, students from all over the world kind of come, and for a month they're basically in a conservatory. And they took us to go see this opera of... Uh, it was called Galileo Galilei, I think, and it was just the worst thing I've <laughs> <laughs> ever Imagine <laughs> <ever laughs> uh, Kids were sneaking out, <laughs> were falling asleep. The sets were amazing. There was some incredible stuff going on. But I want to talk about The Lion King, because when I was a senior, this is the next year, we took a field trip to Chicago and saw The Lion King. And I had a paper due the next day that was not started, and I knew I was going to be up all night, so I was on Nodos. And we had been singing The Lion King in choir and just, you know, around school. We just loved it so much. And then to finally see it was just incredible. And I want to see it again here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the obvious next question is, when you
0: saw these shows, I mean, Christy, you already said it was a seminal moment for mm-hmm. you. Clearly, this opera didn't quite do it for you <laughs> first time out. Um, when did you get into your heads— that you wanted to do this as a career or did you already have that in your head by the time you got to see professional theater
2: I, I remember seeing a lot my parents had kind of decided they wanted to expose me to theater for for really i don't know why my mom was an accountant my dad worked for an escrow company i mean it wasn't like they had any interest themselves but they decided that they wanted to show me different things so i had always been aware of theater and seen a lot of it, and we had subscriptions to shows and stuff. But um, it wasn't until I was thirteen that I was doing a a dance recital. And in in the recital, I I remember getting in the car afterwards and telling my mom, "It, uh, it smells different in the theater. There's a different smell, the paint they use or something. It's just a totally new place where I've never experienced this sensation before. And um, it really spoke to her. Like she really realized that this was something that was in my blood somehow. And she said, "You know, you can do this as a career." And at that moment, I was 13, and I applied for the arts high school. I didn't look back. So it's really, it was really. Um, as soon as I knew that that was an option, there was no. Everything in my life up to that point fell into place like I knew I wanted to sing and I knew I wanted to do you know but to me being like a pop star wasn't really that seemed to be the only way to sing was to be a famous pop star Mm -hmm. and that wasn't anything that interested me so it kind of when it became something that was an actual job and career and something you could learn and discover instead of just be you know an icon it really became real for me
3: that's Mm -hmm. so funny that you say option because Mm -hmm. it's so amazing how many kids are not aware that this is an option. I mean,
2: right. I, like I
3: remember Karen well, don't Olivo. Don't think it's a job. Don't think they're, yeah. they're, they're so unaware mm-hmm. because it is. Everyone thinks it's just like be famous and be a big pop mm-hmm. star or whatever. Because Karen Olivo said once that her, her her father directed her in community theater, and um, and she was just like doing shows. And he was like, you know, you can do this for a living. There's like a place called Broadway. And she was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of kids are so fully unaware. Yeah. I remember growing growing up. Uh, my first, the first show I ever really saw was West Side Story at my high school, and I remember loving it and loving the idea of 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 being able to do something like that. And it just felt like it would be somehow like very cathartic or whatever. But but I was I was also very unaware that that mm-hmm. was an option.
4: Yeah. For musicals, for me, it was just sort of like this sort of tying like emotion directly to sound, and then it just became that's what that's like that's where you go to do it on mm-hmm. you know.
1: It' kind of a point where like uh, a, f- a far off dream starts to become uh, more of a reality, mm-hmm. like when I was younger, I always knew like I knew from a very early age that I wanted to perform, and usually it just came from I was like a cinemaphobe, I was obsessed with movies from a very early age, and I would like you know watch whatever my favorite VHS tape was until I broke it, and I would just watch it and rewind it and watch it again and rewind it and watch it again. And, uh, and I would, like, memorize all the lines, and I would act it all out by myself, and uh, I had a very fun childhood. What were some of your finest performances? Uh, probably all of Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, she knows that. I've said that one before. Um, and I also I always knew I wanted to do it, and I got involved in community theater where I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and I always did that. And and knew enough that you know I knew that I was good enough at community theater to, to you know, get cast in shows, and I made a lot of friends, and I did that. And um, I remember going to Philadelphia and doing the student rush tickets for rent when it finally came to the Merriam Theater, in like 1998 or something, and going to see that and, and being completely inspired by that, but that was, it was still all, much like you know my experience with Once Upon a Mattress, it was all still too big, it was too big and I didn't see any kind of possible, tangible way in for me. And so as much as I loved sitting in the front row, you know, uh, at Rent, and I saw Karen, Karen. In, that, mm. in that tour, and, uh, and a lot of like amazing actors that mm. I've now met um, in New York City, it still just seemed so big. The moment for me where it really clicked over into being like, I think this is possible, was I went to see Fuddy Mears by David Lindsay Baer at the Minetta Lane when it transferred after its MTC run and uh, I saw Patrick Breen and J. Smith Cameron and Keith Nobbs and these amazing actors and um, it was like a matinee and the the, the theater wasn't wasn't full but everybody that was there was so vocal and having a great time and uh, you know it was down the village it wasn't up you know where where everything was happening uh, you know in Midtown Broadway and that was the first time where it really felt like oh this is this is real this is I, I think I could do that well I the
0: scale is different at the lane you're in a four hundred
5: seat house and yeah. it's not
0: gilded and it's not as, as elaborate
5: yeah. so i uh I could actually pinpoint to a specific person this is a guy Jonathan Becker while I was at that cherubs thing because but to that point in high school it was you know guidance counselors are pushing business and they're trying to get people you know out and just try to get them to finish high school really um so I had somebody send me into Cherubs, and then while I was there, I still really didn't, you know, see it as a career. I just didn't know what I hadn't seen really professional theater to that point. So, someone came up to me towards the end of the program and was just like, you know, you can really do what you want to do in acting if you want to. So, I mean, that moment kind of everything clicked in for me. I went to U of I and just didn't look back.
0: Well, Christy, you said your parents were the mm-hmm. people who actually said, you know, you can do this, and Robin, you told Karen Olivo's story. But for the rest of you, at some point, you made a decision relatively young that this is what you wanted to pursue. In some cases, not, you know, you, you weren't even done with high school.
3: How did your parents respond to this? <laughs> My, My family's funny. <laughs> <laughs> My family's funny, Bill, because... Like, I, 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 this is like the craziest thing to say, but l- coming from a low income family and, and coming from a family that was uneducated was the best gift in the world. Because the idea to them that I could do what I love and make $400 at a regional theater was amazing. <laughs> like, that was making a living in their, in their eyes. They, they thought that's how much we make and we're in a factory. And so when I, when, um, when I, I, I didn't, I couldn't go to college, like I couldn't afford it. I was supposed to go at one point, and then I ended up booking a movie, and then I, cu- I didn't work for, like, two years after that. And uh, and I was working at, at regional theaters, and the concept of it to them was very foreign, and, and they were totally unaware of it, but I was paying my rent. So mm-hmm. they were like, oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. Like, we're happy for him. Well, my dad wanted to be a musician. Um, he's He
5: just kills it on the guitar and the <laughs> bass. He plays yeah. bass. He was in bands when I was growing up and never really got to pursue it because he had me and my brother and, you know, the family just really had to work just to, you know, stay alive. So my mother also, her grandparents, I don't think allowed her, well, not her grandparents, but her, you know, the people that took care of her wouldn't allow her to go to school because in our religion, the world was coming to an end soon mm-hmm. and there was not going to be any need for college. <laughs> we needed to you know. Mm-hmm spread the word so she I think both of them kind of rallied behind me doing the thought that I could do what I loved to do was also it was just a dream come true so they actually got behind me and I was I'm very thankful about that
4: Hmm. it it just sort of like happened really early to the point where like by the time you know I was supposed to go to college I was certain that this is what I was doing actually I I don't think that I I think only a few months ago was when I realized that this is what I thought. Like, <laughs> a, a sort of like I, I didn't think that I could do this until I was doing it for a really long time. But uh, my parents, my mom was always like, you know, like, did you study for your SATs? And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. but I'm not going. But, <laughs> but whatever. Like, I'll still pretend that I'm going. But, <laughs> um, and my dad was always really cool. He was always like really excited by everything. But I think um, with. Spring Awakening. I was just sort of like, okay, well, you know, I'm doing this now, but there's I don't know how this is going to like become anything else, and then it just sort of did. And then,
0: but you're sort of skipping a step, and I want to ask John about this as well. No, 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 no. In the (laughs) sense that, how did you get it? You know, suddenly you're in Spring Awakening. Clearly, you had to start. You had to come out of Westchester. You had to come up from Delaware. Um, how did you start getting jobs? Were you just showing up at open calls? Did you find an agent immediately, Robin? What, you know, I, lived getting- it, I
3: graduated high school, and I thought I had enough money to go to the first semester of college, and, and I was working at a summer camp. And the, the, count, the woman who ran the summer camp said, guess what? Neil Ben-Ari came by and said that Bernie Telsey's casting a movie called Camp and they're doing open calls. Do you want to go in? And I went into Ripley Girl Studios with 700 other kids and like six days later booked a role in it. Hmm. And, it, was, it was like, and it was really interesting because I was being told by everyone that I would never make a musical theater, that I should just study a career in opera. That, should be right, that, should, that would be, like, my version of settling. Um, and it was just really, really interesting that three weeks out of high school, the universe conspired <laughs> and brought this <laughs> other opportunity into my life that was the direction that my heart wanted to go in, but my mind was telling me not to.
1: Hmm. Yeah, when I was about 12 or 13, I think it was, when I had been doing just kind of local community theater, they, uh, they posted uh, a bulletin for an open casting call of the, do you remember when um, Robert De Niro and Ethan Hawke did that Great Expectations film, the kind of modernized remake? They were doing an open casting call for the the young character, for the younger character, uh, Ethan Hawke's character. And, um, and I went up, and it was like a, a huge cattle call in Philadelphia, and, uh, which was the closest, you know, metropolis to where I grew up. And uh, I went up there, my parents drove me up there, and it was one, another one of those things where it was just so many, just this sea of young people coming in for this open call and um, I didn't get it but I, I you know I got down to like kind of the, the, the last reserves where it was like three or four kind of young boys left and it was close enough that it felt like something like it felt like well that was kind of cool I got I got that far right so I should kind of maybe I'll try to keep doing this I guess and then a couple of years later a friend of mine who uh, I did local theater with he recommended this manager to me who, uh, who worked out of uh, Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania, and, uh, and also New York. <laughs> she just lived in Philadelphia in that area. Her name was Edie Robb, and she's still my manager uh, to this day. And uh, When I was about 13, I, I went in and, and auditioned for her. And that was how it started becoming more of like, you know, I was taking the train up to New York City for auditions. And it was a a slow process. It was a lot of, you know, when you're like 13 or 14... uh, it 's a lot of like you know, I don 't know candy commercials and toy <laughs> commercials and and I, and I but I always knew like there, I know someday i 'm going to get like a, a script for a play or maybe a few pages because i didn 't get scripts then <laughs> um, I just got like the sides of the breakdown and they'd fax them to delaware and i 'd go and be like i can 't read this oh i 'm not going to be prepared and, uh, and so I started going out for auditions uh for actual kind of theatrical productions, and the moment where I really kind of felt like uh this is great, this is, this is kind of what I want to be doing, was I did a, a, a workshop at Vassar when they do that, New York Stage and Film, the Powerhouse Theater every summer, and it was a David Marshall Grant play, and uh, I started it there just doing the workshop, and it ended up being my off-Broadway debut the next year when I was 15, um, having done it there, and that was when I met David Marshall Grant and David Petrarca, who went on to direct me in several other productions, and the first time that I really felt like I was part of you know, what I've now learned is this incredibly rich community uh, in, you know, New York City and, and the surrounding areas and like you, you had mentioned Eugene O'Neill which I've done several times and like Vassar and all of these great programs that develop new works and it's just that feeling that you get that is, uh, it's completely seductive. The first time I was there, the first time I felt like I'm with like-minded people that uh, and, and I was just a child coming into it and so it was completely inspiring. The first time that I was around these like smart and talented, like incredible people—playwrights and directors and actors—and so that was how I, I got into the auditioning was through through that manager would send me mm-hmm. up Jennifer New York are auditions.
4: You. Um. Well, I had a an agent when I was ten through like a family friend, and I went on a lot of commercial and voiceover auditions. And I did a Verizon commercial and like an AOL commercial <laughs> and. Um, Like voiceovers for um, these English as a second language like animated (laughs) videos. I watched those. You taught Robin English. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and then I I did, and then I did, um, you know, like a few years of that, and then sort of, I attempted to go to. I did like some community theater with a few groups. And then I attempted to go to PPIS, Professional Performing Arts School, that went on 48th Street. And I went for a few months and I was like, no, 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 no. Like it was not <laughs> the right place for me. It was like a strange sort of like, it was just like not the right energy in there for me. Because wow. I, I, was, I wasn't positive yet that that's what I wanted to do. I still just wanted to like hang out with my friends. And <laughs> so I went to public high school for a year um, at my, uh, in my hometown of White Plains. And, um, and then i was like enough of this like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um i s- that summer i did like a few more um, shows i did susicle i was gertrude and susicle that summer and i remember being in the car with my friend after it and i was like crying and i was like Oh, like, I want to do this, like, but I want to do, like, I, I want to do the biggest version of it. Like, I want to do more with this. I have to do more with this because I just wasn't finding, like, myself, like, just hanging out with my friends. And I was always weird. Everyone was always like, you're so weird. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then I did, you know, I got, my friend called me and was like, they're um, having, you know, auditions for, he read backstage for Spring Awakening for, like, understudy Swings. And they auditioned, and then I got it, and then I was like, with these people, it's like who can be like the weirdest?" and I was like, This is it, this is like so fun and perfect, <laughs> but you know you know, but I wasn't honestly I, like and then and then I sort of was it, it just." Uh, then, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead again, but then I sort of got an audition for for this off-Broadway, this other off-Broadway show. And I was like, what? Like, I'm staying on Broadway. And then (laughs) then they were like, I was like, I'm not going to go in for that. Like, I'm getting a really good paycheck here. And then... And then I just went in and I like heard these girls in going before me and they were just like belting and everything and I was like, Oh God, like is this really like I don't know if I can do this. I can't. And I went in and I did my like <laughs> sloppy teenage like angsty version of like this audition and and got it and then it just sort of like it just happens. There's like there's there's phases where you're you sort of like lose the faith and then just one huge yeah. thing happens and then it just propels you to the next huge thing, and you just sort of have to be okay with that.
5: The, my history teacher actually worked at Steppenwolf a lot in Chicago as a dramaturg and an understudy, and they called him up and asked him if there's anyone who can audition. Bruce Norris uh, had written a new play, and they'd been auditioning for a while, and they needed like a sixteen-year-old West African kid. And it was so lucky that I was in school at the time because we had a voice teacher that helped us with dialects and everything, so I had like a good amount of time to prepare i it 's obscene how much time I had like in the real world we you know you get two days mm-hmm. you gotta go in mm-hmm. but um so I was able to work with her in the accent, and you know I went in there, and I think I heard the next day and I mean that was my first professional show and then um that was during the summer, I think I was. That was something like that. And then I went back to school, and during the winter, our winter break, they called me in to do a reading, and Martha Levy, the artistic director, was like, come on, and um, come on, have a meeting with me before you're reading with Tracy Letts. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? And um, my friend at the time was like, they're probably going to make you an ensemble member. And I told them they were stupid. I said, was a stupid <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And that's what it was. It was her and Amy Morton. And they were like, look, we're bringing in some new people to breathe life into the ensemble and kind of diversify and, you know, move with the times. And we want you to join. And, you know, that, I didn't even know that that's what people did at the time. I didn't know what regional theaters were. I didn't know, you know, what company, acting companies were. and. It was just like someone saying, come on and be our family and do the thing that you love to do. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an amazing moment, and then I had to pull myself together and go, do a reading with Tracy. <laughs>
2: um,
5: and so I, I, I was very—I think the hard work meets opportunity is the definition of luck, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, it just worked out that way.
0: Well, as you talk about <clears throat> hard work, the next question is, some of you have gone to higher education institutions to study, and some of you have just been doing it. The choice of how how you study, how you train, whether to study, I'm wondering how each of you have made those choices. John, did you at any point say, I know I'm working a lot, but maybe I need"?
1: Some more background, or you yeah. just going I, with it? I, um, I I stumbled into it at a, at a pr- pretty early age uh, when I was in high school. I took a leave from my high school to go up to uh, uh, New York to do the first show I ever did, which was at uh, Manhattan Theater Club. It was that David Marshall Grant play that I had done the workshop of. And, uh, and I went up there for you know, five and a half, six months, and uh, my mom came up with me, and they had an apartment that they, that they uh, gave out-of-town you know, out actors, out-of-town hires for their shows at MTC. So my mom and I went up there, and, uh, and I let my mom take the bedroom, and I slept on the couch because the TV was out there, and I wanted to stay up late <laughs> and watch TV. Um, it wasn't entirely self Because, selfless, because it, was, huh? it was cable, and we never had cable yes. in, <laughs> in, in, uh, in Delaware, so I was like, Cable to myself, and I live in New York for five months or whatever. Uh, And then I went back home and and started going back to school, and uh, and had to get very serious about. Well, that happened. I just did this uh, this off Broadway play. You know, how do I want to proceed? Do I want to just kind of buckle down and become a better student? Because I was a terrible student. Um, (laughs) I was so much more interested in doing this, and and uh, and I always had a really rough time concentrating in big in big classrooms. I actually found. I, I got tutored whenever I went out to do a, a show, and I always got such better grades because the one-on-one kind of atmosphere was always, you know, it's a no-brainer that it works better, but, I, you know, I think it does, and it always worked better for me. And um uh, and I just kind of kept, you know, kept doing it, and I, I went out to Eugene O'Neill that same summer and did this David Lindsay Bear play, and then they offered me the production of it in uh, at South Coast Rep in Costa Mesa, and I was 16, and... Uh, and I was doing my best to kind of hold down the fort at my high school, but it wasn't working very well. And um, by the time I got to l- my senior year, I had you know, done a couple productions and you know some small roles and some films and TV things, and uh, it, it suddenly became very real that all my friends were, were getting accepted <laughs> to these colleges, and my grades were still kind of like going down the tubes. And uh, I thought, God, what do I want to do? Well, maybe I'll, go to, maybe I'll go to theater school, because I love that, and I, and I know I want to be an actor. Um, but uh, I had had, uh, maybe I should blame them. I don't know. David Lindsay Bear and <laughs> David Pacharka and David Marshall Grant, the playwrights and directors that I'd worked with. They all told me very adamantly, uh, they all, and it, I guess it stuck in my brain somehow. They told me not to go to theater school, <laughs> like specifically. They told mm. me multiple times, like wh- you, you know, when I was fifteen, and I had no, I was like, oh, okay, uh, you know, don't go to theater school, don't go to school for acting. <laughs> hmm. They they, had, uh, they they felt like I don't know that maybe they had watched some young actors that they n- that they knew go through the system and maybe have a hard time of it. It's different for everyone. Right. right. It's not fair to say yeah. that you know there's a right way or a wrong way, and y- you know you'll be cursed if you. Take take this gift that you have and, and, and go into school with it or whatever. Um, and so I just, uh, I just didn't. And I, I didn't really get my grades up by the time, uh, I was a senior in high school and I was going to try and do internet schooling to get my grades up so I could go to college. But then I got cast in this movie Pieces of April, uh, through Burns Halsey. Yeah. And, uh, right around, it was like right around the, the same same around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And, um, and I got that and that was around the time that, I was supposed to be like you know going to colleges, and I went up and I did that. And then uh, the play that I'd done at South Coast Rep came back to New York. Uh, this play, Kimberly Akimbo, and I just moved up to New York to do that. And I thought, I remember telling myself, because I did feel a little insecure. I felt like, oh, am I like am I doing the wrong thing? What does my family think of me? What do my friends think of me? I'm the only one. In my group of friends, it's not going to college. Am I going to be this outcast or something? So I went up to New York and I remember telling myself, like, okay, I've got a manager. I'm doing this play. If I don't get an agent by the end of this run, I will turn back around and I will go home and I will get my GED and do whatever it takes and find some school that will take me in and try to be a productive member of society. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I found an agent and decided, okay, I'll stay. So that was that really. Now, Krista, you were out growing up in California.
0: Yeah. So you hadn't had the same, oppor- the same proximity to New York that some people No, but do. I had
2: the proximity to Los Angeles, right. which was a completely different experience. And um, I had—when I was in high school, um, Francis Ford Coppola, of all people, <laughs> decided to write a musical and, and produce it and direct it in Orange County uh, with real high school students okay. of Gidget the Musical. And he came to my high school and auditioned a bunch of girls, and I got the role of Gidget. So in a freakish turn of events, (laughs) um, I was all of a sudden, you know, agents were coming to the show, and people were kind of approaching me for, um, you know, a lot of, oh, you know, there's this new pilot coming out, and you're, you know, like a young, I was 15, you know, young... Um, kind of, you know, new person on the scene. So I really threw m- myself headfirst into that, into the into the L.A. grind and two-hour drive up and back every day. My mom and I just um, doing homework in the car and changing into my tights on the way back, you know. I can change into uh, leotard and tights with my seatbelt still on. That's my, it's like my Is that on your special
1: skills so you're do that too? That's <laughs> <laughs> no, <specialty>. no special. No <laughs> special skill.
2: Um, but uh, so I did that a lot. And when it came time to decide about college, there were several options. Like I, uh, option number three was to go to a community college in LA and just just pursue the television thing completely. And um, Ironically, I mean, after about two years of doing the LA thing, I kind of got burnt out, you know, of the of the drive and of and I wanted to do theater, and I wasn't singing as much as I wanted to, I wasn't doing as much musical theater as at that point I really wanted to do. So it was a huge decision to to, you know move across country, and my parents were unbelievably supportive; they still are, and uh, obviously because it worked out. (laughs) But um, so I, I came to New York, and I went to NYU and um, kind of did a bunch of open call. like I went to an open call for AIDA like right off the bat, like I was just going to anything just so I could really get my feet wet and um, by my second year in school I got a bye bye birdie at Encores, which was my first, I got my equity card and my first professional um, job and I had to leave school only two weeks early, they let me um, uh, leave but I, I think uh, kind of to step back, like the idea of education is so personal to everybody. Yeah. I could never advise anyone in, in the way that they should, you know, choose their educational path. But um, I thought it was invaluable to be in New York with a meal plan and a dorm room and, you know, a, s- a schedule so that I could learn the subways and learn how the auditions work and and be in a controlled environment so that it wasn't I wasn't like trying to make my own money and audition and you know that gets very difficult um, at some point so um, I eventually that summer after the Bye Bye Birdie thing I got uh, the workshop of Good Vibrations which ended up being my first Broadway show which was a crash course in Broadway (laughs) (laughs) and musicals and, um, and Critical flops, and you know, and I was 19, and it was like just everything was up, upside down. And there was really the moment at like 20 years old where I thought, okay, so that happened, and is this how it always is, and is this what it's gonna be? And I ended up, I went back to school and then got the tour of The Boyfriend, directed by Julie Andrews. So it was like this little, like gorgeous confection of a show that toured around the world, or the world, well, I guess the world, because we went to Canada. So
6: two countries.
2: uh, The international tour. Yeah, the international tour. Um, (laughs) But we we got to go back to my hometown and perform there, and I met my best friends who are still my best friends in the world, and it really kind of revamped my interest. And then I came back into town and was unemployed again and went back to school, and and then got Spring Awakening, and Hmm. so I had to quit again, so I'm, they finally kicked me out of school, so I'm (laughs) officially a college dropout (laughs) (laughs) with no degree in musical theater.
0: (laughs) Robin, you've said that college really wasn't an option financially for you.
3: I mean, I, I, wish, I, wish that it ha- I wish that it had been, though. My, my ego is... I, I hate to give, the, like, the impression of me being, like, this oppressed, suffering child, because that was so... <laughs> you
6: know,
3: that was so... I, was, I, I didn't... I never felt that way growing up. I, I Actually, my mom did a really great job of not letting me know how under we were financially. <laughs> and it wasn't until afterwards I was like, whoa, that was deep. <laughs> I didn't realize that my mom fed me eggs because we couldn't afford meat sometimes. <laughs> I didn't really... But... Um, <laughs> The idea of, of, of college was so foreign to my family as well. I, I remember being in, in 10th grade and my mom wanted to move to Puerto Rico. My, my parents had split up, whatever, and she was like, she wanted to totally revamp her life. She wanted to be near her mom and she wanted to move to Puerto Rico. And, and I said, but mom, like, I want to study theater and I, I don't think I can study that in Puerto Rico and I want to go to college. And I remember she turned to me and she went, oh, you want to go to college? Like, she, it was, no one in my family has ever gone to hmm. college on either side. And, and there have been opportunities, but for whatever reason, my family has never taken advantage of that. Uh, and, and, and so she was really, really floored by that idea. And it became this ego-based thing for me where I was like, I have to be the first one in the family. <laughs> I have to make this happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end the vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And so for years, I was like, I, I, I wanted to do this so badly, but I was like, I have to go back. I have to go back to school. And it, it just it wouldn't work out, and the and the, the when I finally when I finally realized, okay, I'm not going to college to study theater because because in retrospect now I think I, I think it would actually be really cool for me to just go and take classes for my mind because the, the biggest issue is people think that you have to go to college for a career, and and I think there is personal interest that has nothing to do with the economy and it has nothing to do with your career that college is there for as well. Uh, And and, and it's also that people think they have to go to to school to, to, uh, actors that is, a lot of actors think they have to go to school to study acting. And there are other people who uh, study other things like anthropology or history that make them this much more well-rounded person that at the end of the day will make them a much better actor.
5: John, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. was was college useful for you, do you feel? It was. Um, It was such an adventure to be able to wake up every morning and pour everything I had into a goal, and there's, there's few places that you get to do that. You're out in the world and you, you can learn by, trial by fire, but it just helped me to be able to really kind of see what it was that I was pursuing from these people's point of view. What is this craft that I'm, you know, attempting? Um, and I've seen it go both ways. I had friends that, that had it just beaten out of them and kind of killed their spirit. And it can definitely happen. you got to take things the teachers say with a grain of salt and keep some sort of self-worth, a dignity about mm-hmm. you. And, you know, approach every day. Like, uh, I had somebody ask me what wh- I would say to young students, and I didn't know at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say, but I think it is to, you know, Pour what you have, pour your heart, pour your soul into the work, and the rest will fall into place. And everyone's journey is just completely different. We've mm-hmm. we've had a pretty good run at this table, but there's a <laughs> lot of people mm-hmm. who their break might not come till they're 35, 45. You know what I mean? So it's if you want to do it, persevere. And but school was the best for me. I mean, you, I, I got to study a lot of different things: like film class and and world music, and just it was. It was great, and you know, going into it, that was the thing. My parents, they didn't go to college. And for me and my brother,
6: all they knew of young
5: black men in, in my neighborhood was either you're going to get out through football or basketball, or you're know, you going to sell drugs or go to jail. And my mother's mantra was, you're not going to be that kind of statistic. You're, you know. It was really worth it to spend <laughs> these four years. <clears throat> for some people, it might not be.
0: Well, Jen, I want to ask you, and not even specifically college, do you think about whether whether it's college or or just training, classes? Is that something that interests you or are you just what? going along with what you got?
4: I'm like, the person here. Who's like, it just happens. So <laughs> <yeah, laughs> Obviously, for me, learning by doing it has been like such a blessing. Obviously, I can't recommend that because it doesn't happen. Like, it rarely happens. Um, but for me, um, I, I mean, I don't regret any anything like thus far I feel like if school seems right at some point I'll go to school I don't think it would even be for acting hmm. I think that for me it's something I'm learning b- by doing and I started this show like a it was bad I was like a bad this actor, show being next, to <laughs> next to normal yeah, yeah it was just not good it wasn't good and then now I'm just sort of like oh my god like I am an actor so for me it just took it took doing it and I think that that was just the right path for me because I'm just living my life like with a really open eye I'm just being hyper observant of the world like around me and it's just present yeah I'm just being as present as possible (laughs) and obviously I I still I haven't gotten it right on stage yet but the day that I think I got it right is a bad day because then you know there won't be anything to give and so I just sort of am like just trying to be as present as possible and that and that's like you know to just to just be to just be able to be on stage I mean period and, and and I can easily sound so juvenile to many people that have gone to school but that's just mm-hmm. that's just how it is like I, I
3: feel I feel like I started training again I started getting a, a coach coaches for my auditions because I was just a horrible auditioner like there were times where my music wasn't even in order like the pianist was just bamping because <laughs> <laughs> what I was singing was not what was written on the page. And and, and like I had to get my act together. And I, and I don't really feel like I was auditioning well until this past year. And it showed because the work that I was getting was not from auditions. It was because I knew friends that were writers or whatever. Someone had seen me in something. But I rarely did. And, and uh, my best friend and I, we, we both coach a lot for auditions or we'll help each other out. and and And... Sort of my theory is if, if Anne Bancroft can take class, I could have had Uta Hagen on set with me. I, I probably would have mm. had that as well.
2: It's, it's a different, when you're doing a show every night, you use, it's like going to the gym and only working your arms every day. It's day. You're, you're working a very specific muscle that mm-hmm. becomes a muscle of endurance and stamina as well as being in the moment and, and you know trying to take what's given to you so i think it is important to you know have some extracurricular training every once in a while you know i still continue my voice lessons to work the different muscles that i'm not working everyday it's not necessarily to you know um, get you the next thing but just keep you as a well-rounded um, you know, and healthy performer
0: well, let's switch to the on the job thing which is what have you what have you discovered being parts of these professional productions that either didn't come from your high school experience or your college experiences um, Are there things that that really opened up to you once you started working with other professionals
4: um I've learned a lot from the people on the show, like Alice and Brian just about like about how they can serve and how and and also in tiny little things like for me, the show's, the show like, really hard to sing. It's, it's, like, it's a little, like, a little higher than my range, but it's not going to be like that for every job. But, like, someone like my sister or someone will want to come, like, stay with me in the city, and I'm just like, I can't. I need silence. I, I need it. And I never, ever understood that about, about anyone who had done it or needed that before without doing it myself. And now I'm just sort of, like, just really um, careful of, like, of... Um, of sucking energy out of out of people that you know that don't have it to give but i mean that's that's such a glass like half
2: empty well you kind of you you never understand the job until you're in it and then you also will never un like i don't understand what he has to go through every night to do his show i can't believe the amount of you know work that they do up there and I, I felt embarrassed by my own job when I saw them. <laughs> I was because I, I, I have a couple songs in my show and this is the first time I've sang uh, a role the same every night. I've I've made my career being an understudy, singing everyone else's roles. Um <laughs> one in the afternoon, one in the evening. Mm. So um now, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I get to really master my own thing, but also uh it's the same thing over and over and uh, I'll I'll leave the stage and I'm like, mm, you know, oh, that was really tough." And then like, I go see them and I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> He's
3: a the music yeah, exactly. <laughs> <P-N-D-X> the <music laughs> a the music it's the musical.
1: Yeah, the musical. It totally is. And
2: I'm like, "I don't understand that." And and I don't know that you knew you could do it until you were doing it. I was it. certain that I couldn't, yeah. as a matter
1: of fact. <laughs> yeah. For quite some time. So,
2: it's um <laughs> it's definitely I mean everyone you you don't you'll never understand anybody else's own show and what it takes to do it so even if you're in the same you know industry you're still you still have to be very um, compassionate for other people's work but you you wait to work with these legends so you can see their secrets and you're like, oh, they must, have, you know, they must have their special teas, or they must have their fancy exercises. Nathan is like, if they're laughing, I am giving it and giving it and giving it. I mean, I, he, he, he dies every day. I watch him expend his entire life <laughs> in, one, in, you know, in two and a half hours. It is miraculous to watch. And that's something I, I learn you know I mean it's amazing to be able to work with people of his caliber and not only is he the funniest man alive but I watch him exercise his other muscle in this really tender lovely scene that we have together Because he plays my father and there's it's a really like lovely a father-daughter moment and I watch him be hysterical literally yes. the line before and then break and in, burst into tears you know and bring it to the brink and then bring it back and fortunately I don't have to do anything in the scene except for be there for him and watch him and study him, and, and sometimes I'm in the scene, and sometimes I'm Krista watching Nathan <laughs> in <laughs> awe <laughs> of his, you know, the artful way that he, you know, p- push and pull. It's amazing.
3: It's
1: just incredible just to, uh, to, to work with other actors. It's just, I mean, the lessons I've learned from the actors I've been on stage with are far too many to count, far too many to tell, uh, even when you don't know that you're learning something whether it's a lesson of what to do or a lesson of like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to do it quite like that. But no. <laughs> um, no, but there's just, I'm so, so thankful for everyone that I've been on stage with. And, and it's amazing also to get to a point too where you think like, oh, God, I've learned so much from these other actors. And then sometimes you take on a role that you're like, nothing I've learned before is working for this. I have to start completely from scratch because or not f- from scratch, but uh, like just change things around and do some shifting and and learn something that you weren't prepared for. Like with American Idiot, it, it, it's been brand, brand new in so many ways. And I've had to purposely kind of, uh, kind of shirk things that I had relied on in the past or things that had worked for me in the past, even just for getting energized and ready to do a show. Like you said, you know, P90X, <laughs> it's like a whole other uh, a whole other kind of level when you have to, uh, especially for musical theater, which is so, I think so so different. Is that it? it it's just it's it's so all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it takes everything at once. Like it's it's uh, everything you've learned about acting, everything you've learned about moving. You know the physicality, the vocal, like conservation and preservation, which was really hard. Jen, what you were saying, this is the first. This is the first time I think I ever really understood. Also, like you know, I can do nothing after the show, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I have no social life anymore, I go, (laughs) and I'm fine with it, it's the price that, you know, that you pay to, you know, have this dream kind of come true, um, but it's just, it it really is amazing how you can learn so much, and then still, like, you might wake up one day and find yourself playing some role, uh, you know, uh, if you're lucky enough, and, and find yourself going, oh, I have to learn something brand new this time. And, uh, and I can't rely on the things that I've learned from other actors. But it is just invaluable, I think, just sharing and, like, and even just like this, like, being able to be around other actors and have these experiences. I'm already thinking about the show later tonight. And I'm like, I think I'm going to have so much fun because of this. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll, be like, I'll be thinking about this and, like, how lucky I am to even be here and be a part of this.
3: I was, I was thinking about what you said about Nathan Lane. Like, I, I think the, one of the biggest things that I've learned is the kind of performances that I like to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, didn't, I never really knew uh, what to call it or what it was. And there was always sort of that it factor, that, or there was that performer that I knew wasn't the greatest, but I loved watching them and I would go to see them in and everything. And, and I think what it is, is I like very giving performers. I like people who are completely open and giving you this gift and they are sharing every single moment on stage with, with, with the audience and with everyone on stage with them, and and, and then on top of that, I guess doing shows now, that that is very much what I what I try to do. But I think one of the biggest learning lessons was, if you're gonna give it, don't expect anything back, mm. because then you then it, it, it becomes ego based. It becomes about you, but you're also expecting some sort of reaction or and. You just you you, you 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 can't judge people behind lights and behind a set and costume when they're all out there. You're not with them face to face to see what they're going through, and so I think that that sort of the, there's like that that um, experience of like being fully, fully, fully with them, but also having one foot out the door, and knowing that you you can't judge them.
4: The people. Um, deal with it in different ways, yeah. too, mm-hmm. because I've I, I realized, like, um, seeing shows is so important, and I go to shows, and I'm like, nothing. I'm just sitting there like that, and I'm like, you know, that guy at my show, I'm so mad at him. I'm like, yeah. what's wrong yes. with you? Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like, totally. it's so, like, you have yeah. to, I, I recommend um, sitting in your house before the show to just remind yourself like all right like I'm doing the show for this person here who's sitting here right now and then seeing shows is is like so important because I saw, I saw Wednesday matinee the other day, and I was like, you know, like, I really hope, I really hope these people aren't really pissed and tired that they're here this morning. And, and I, mm-hmm. I look back on all the times where I'm just like, oh, like walking. <laughs> in there like, there yeah,
2: it like is, there it, it is. Friends of mine are like, now and that I know that you're not giving it every, you know. I'm right. like, no, no, we are. <laughs> you, it's just, you know, Do it's you not the first time we've done this, although it, that is a muscle that you exercise that is pretending that it's the mm-hmm. first time you've done this because it's yeah. the first time they've seen it.
3: I think, I think it's also important to know that your whole life, you're told to give 110%. And I don't know if anyone agrees with me on this, but 110% does not exist. Okay. That is a made-up thing. <laughs> 110% gets you in physical therapy mm-hmm, or gets yeah. you to call out of a show. Mm-hmm. Because there are people who just give so, so hard... That it, that they're overworking and overcompensating, and not only is it rough on them, but it's really rough on the audience. You're like <laughs> yeah. you're being oh blown God, away yeah. by way too too much yeah. energy, and so there is sort of like you were saying conservation. There is, this, but there's there's a calm to it. Hmm. I've,
2: cool. I was really lucky for my first two like major shows was Spring Awakening and Chorus Line that I was on stage the entire time, and I remember being in rehearsals for spring awakening and you know jen and i were both in the in the seats so i would i was literally an audience member watching you know my friends and now my favorite actors you know create a role and watch them do the you know the same thing i was kind of talking about with nathan where you get to watch their skill it's it's really amazing and then with the next one with chorus line saying you're on stage the whole time you're experiencing this thing from start to finish um, with the same group of people that never leave. You're standing next to the same people. And I remember, and I'm glad this happened when I was young, because I remember being, I never want to do a show ever again where I'm backstage. I want to watch all of my friends yeah. the whole time. I want to be on stage the whole time. <laughs> and, then I rem- and then getting into, um, in the Heights, I had this like, big chunk of time with like the fluffy couch in the stage <laughs> manager's <laughs> office. And I was like, yeah, this yeah. is some <laughs> good times. But um, it's really, it's like definitely, um, one of the greatest things that ever happened for me was to be able to be in a show and in the audience kind of at the same time you get to experience both
5: coming from school working with directors um the directors at school are there to train you and it's a different kind of relationship than when you um get into the professional world and they, directors might not nitpick everything you do, and the responsi- responsibility solely falls on you to do. And I figured out that I actually am a nerd for the homework of, <laughs> you know, I just love getting into a script and carving it to pieces. And I, it wasn't like that with, in math, and it wasn't like that in anything else, but, you know, you put a script in front of me, and I, I love to just go to work on it. And that's a – I didn't realize that until I got into the world. And, I was expected to bring what I had and let the director craft that. It was kind of a different muscle from coming to
0: school. Do you like going to see other shows? Oh, God, yeah. I'm inspired every
2: Yeah, I mean, the great thing about it is that now I I know everyone, you know, here. And so you get to see your show. The shows that you see, you have your best friends or you have, Mm -hmm. you know, people who you respect as people, so you get a more personal experience. On the flip side, you know exactly how everything works and you know that half of these people just woke up from their naps mm-hmm. and you know it's there's kind of that the the definitely the footlight glamour that I experienced at five is not always there anymore but there's a deeper more personal um, exciting connection to it and also kind of a a recognition of oh I I know I can do that now like you have a it's a skill that you know how to do so it's it's almost more exciting. Like, I wonder what I would do yeah. Yeah. Is that this. true for the rest so, mm-hmm. of you?
6: Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: And it's also, it's, um, oh, God, what was it? I just thought of was something else. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it, it, it's, it's also, like, one of those things where I, I use this phrase a lot. Basically, like, we've gotten to the point where the extraordinary is the ordinary for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy sometimes to sort of, Forget that this is something that we once wanted, and when we go to see a show, we forget that there was a time period where we were excited to go to TKTS and mm-hmm. and, and like get a ticket and go and go see <laughs> a now show. Like, Anyone
2: got comps anyone for, <laughs> for their show? <laughs> like
3: now you're like, the <laughs> producers aren't giving comps. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what's up with them? Is that? Just judging, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like and, and, uh, and it's it, I, <laughs> I find that for me, that spiritually, uh, I I have to play games with myself because. Because coming from the background that I have and and now feeling like I am where I am now i, I I'm, I'm very spoiled now by myself, mm-hmm. by me, and so I become very ungrateful, and so I have to make it, I have to make a conscious choice of playing games with myself to become grateful and so every now and then I will just look up at the theater or when I go to other shows, I will take in the size of the ceiling mm-hmm. or you know just to remember that this used to be so magical for me at one point in my life, and this is what I wanted in my life, Mm -hmm. and I have it.
5: Yeah, along those lines, before I go on stage, I kind of like to get my hands on the ground, get that Mm -hmm. dust up, and just kind of remember where I am and what a gift it is. But yeah, going out and seeing theater always energizes me. If I feel like I'm in a place where I'm stuck and, you know, not moving forward in the show, I, I go see these guys and you're completely energized. We're these mysterious beasts you have no idea. I mean, you know now how everything works behind the scene, but where it comes from is just, that's the thing that's always going to, you know, get to me and kind of jumpstart my heart.
0: Well with that, I'm afraid we have to wrap up, because uh, I feel like we could go for, for a lot longer. but. You, <laughs> You've all got uh, places to be and shows to do. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for being with us, and thank you for doing such extraordinary work, and it's going to be a joy to continue to watch your careers grow and flourish. Thank you for joining us. These (laughs) programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center at the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre.
6: I'm Ted Chapin, Chairman of the American Theatre Wing. The Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. Best known for creating the Tony Awards, we stand for excellence, but we also support education in the theatre, and our work reaches beyond Broadway in New York. The Working in the Theatre television programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strausson Foundation, are unequaled forums for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth radio interviews were created in conjunction with XM Satellite Radio and can be heard on our website. Our annual theater company grants support New York not-for-profits, and since they began, have distributed nearly $3 million. We are also pleased to be the home of the Jonathan Larson grants, which support emerging composers and lyricists. For people who are starting their careers, we have a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country called Springboard NYC. And our theater intern group provides a forum for young people who are starting their careers to build a professional network. All of the American Theatre Wing's educational and media programs are available for free on demand from our website, americantheaterwing.org. Thanks for your interest in the Wing, and thanks for watching.